Blog Talk Radio. Live from Washington, D.C., it's quintessential listening, Poetry Online Radio. Now, here's your host, Dr. Michael Anthony Ingram. Today, our very special guest is Don Bokes. Don is a South African and British writer. He is the author of the Salamander Chronicles and Icarus Rising Volume 1, and his Frastic Collection. He taught English and geography in both South Africa and the United Kingdom. His poetry has been anthologized in numerous collections and translated into Persian, French, and Albanian. He was nominated by Roxana Nasasi, editor of the Scarlet Leaf Review, for the Best of the Net in 2017, as well as the Pushkar Poetry Prize in 2016. He was published in his first South African anthology, In Pursuit of Poetic Perfection, in 2018. I'd like to welcome Don to our program. Good afternoon, Don. Hi, Michael. Can you hear me? I can hear you, sir. How are you? Oh, wow. Excellent. I can't believe I got through. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. I see. Right. Right on time, too. (laughs) Thank God the the election gremlins didn't intervene. Be be gone. (laughs) What a way to start. I'm Glad you're greeting me with Dolph, um, and uh, yes. happy to be with you. Well, thank you. I'm I'm really pleased, more than you know. <laughs> this is with me. Listen, this is so historic for me, so um, I'm absolutely <laughs> elated. Thank you. <laughs> well, what I'd like to do is to ask you a question. Sure. But that's okay. Sure, what sure, go ahead. Poetry? What is poetry? What is Oh, poetry for me is, um, in my case, personalized uh, experiences, either, you know, from growing up where where I was born and uh, really just pockets or vignettes vignettes of um, experiences, I would say. Hmm. Well, why is it important? I think um, without um, a writer knowing it or any potential writer out there, be it uh, whichever form of literature, I think it's important to actually leave um, a written legacy for any generations that still need just to grab, you know, a a literary grape, I would call it, from, from anyone's writing that seems to connect to people. I don't know how my poetry connects, but um, sometimes people will tell me how, so (laughs) that's a bonus. All right. Well, what I'd like you to do at this particular point is to share a set of your poems. Yes. Um, uh, Is there a limit for the first uh, session to to read? How many? Uh, Okay. No. No. Right. Okay. So I'm I'm ready, actually. I'm trying to be organized. So the first one is called... (laughs) Um, A Beautiful Struggle. 
Our entry into this life, surely a miracle as we skate one last time in that sanctuary of love to treasure just for one more moment that rope of love feeding us, nourishing us, strengthening us, just to remain floating, receiving, learning, observing, sensing, existing, developing into a unique blessing to a mother, a father, a grandmother, a grandfather, our genealogy determining our biological legacy, supported by loved ones dear, caring, educating, influencing our various growing stages through shared experiences. As we are prepared for our place in this global society, having to deal with the weaknesses and strengths of this beautiful, diverse, challenged human race. But in the end, we are all part of a beautiful struggle. Oh, that's the first one. <laughs> all right. Right. Um, should I just continue for now? Yes, and share a, share a bit about why you wrote this particular piece. Right. Um, I think... When I wrote when I write it, when I wrote this poem, it it was either from um, reading a lot of um, global news news about um, uh, ch- children, unborn children who never see the light of day, maybe, and if they do, um, there's all this um, future this future waiting for them that they'd still have to actually uh, discover themselves. I think. You know, and all the stages that we, we as humanity and parents and neighbors and family relations um, and the voices out there, we have a, a duty, I think, to to uh, be part of that beautiful struggle and not make it such a, a struggle for, uh, you know, a new human being into this world. <laughs> I agree. All right. Please share another. Thank you. Um Right, so this next one is called Warped Chirality. We are meant to be part of the same species, yet you forge your own warped realities, pretending, confessing, announcing, orating your alternative existence from ideas born from your elected ignorance, listening, absorbing, accepting broken lullabies from hoarse, false, poison-tipped tongues of larks, whispering, untruth, spinning words, but you allow your essence to soak up its negativity, garnered, deformed, misguided mentalities, now so twisted, you just cannot resist owning that leaking, lying legacy. You see me as an unknown racial oddity, not knowing my true mixed-race genealogy. You see me as an unknown, sorry, that was going to be a repetition. Sorry about that. You see me no as you burn your obvious dislike for me. Through startled pause, I see you as a lonely lost soul, indoctrinated by spiral ideologies, bleeding through you for generations whose voices now whisper, even taunting you to throw that stone clutched in your shaking hand, your conflicting inner rage, I can somehow understand, even pity you, but here I am, about to become just another statistic of divisive rhetoric, and there you are, contemplating my fate 
just another unfortunate fatality in our war naturality. Okay. Yeah. Um, to be honest with you, thank you very much. Um, if you ask me for most of our most of our poems, how it came about, um, mm-hmm. sometimes I will be able to on to uh, to not even have an answer for it because when I create a new poem, it's either a feeling or thought with a bit of, um, you know, uh, I actually do some um, background checking on any themes, global themes uh, about humanity, politics, and all that. I'm quite interested in all sorts of conversations. So some of these, my poems just come about from the moment, what's happening in the world, you know, and uh, yeah. (laughs) Well, you know, it's funny. One of my questions was going to be, what are yes. some of the predominant themes in your work? Some of the predominant themes. Right. Um, I think what I need to start with as an answer will be my um, my heritage, really. Um, I'm sure you know by now that I've, uh, I've I always write about my um, experiences of apartheid um, growing up in Cape Town um, in a in a extremely divided society. Uh, which I was obviously un- unaware of um, for a very long time in my childhood growing up because yes. I, I, grew, I grew up in a very um, protected environment, family and community and church environment. Um, so throughout my um, uh, primary school experience, any, when uh, the revolution started for freedom from the apartheid regime in South Africa, my generation was completely unaware of what was happening around us. Okay. So um, it probably only from the age of 12 to 13. And I then consequently today write about my, my uh, sober memories of what I was met with my first day of high school Um because it took all that time, all the primary um, schooling for us to be, we were quite um, guarded from all that, you know. In a way, it, it did hamper my generation to really understand what was going on around us, the tear gas, the, the burning ties in the streets, um, and the seniors at school trying to, to educate us um, whilst army vehicles or... You know, people, um, I remember a couple of kids died at my um, high school, um, Bella High School in, in Cape Town, in the suburb that I lived in. Um, so, yeah, I write about uh, a lot about that and my memories and my and my masking by by community, by family, and also the um, the the masking from from newspaper headlines when I was going up. But now as a poet, I feel it's my, my destiny to, to, you know, to, 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 to um, educate those who, youngsters in South Africa today and around the world um, about my experiences. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. Very nice. Very nice. You have a story to tell. I have. And um, I'm just, 
going through the motions now in releasing as much many collections as I can. Uh, my my third uh, full collection of poetry is due soon, hopefully before Christmas. Oh wow, that's fantastic, Doc. Fantastic. <laughs> please please share another piece of your work. Sure. The following um, one was uh, written. Um, I I don't know if you, uh, if you are aware of um, my passion is really ecstatic poetry. I also have yes. a new a new ecstatic page where art uh, where art meets um, lit, um, lit, liter, literacy. Sorry, literature. Um, so a lot of my poems are in in coordinate in collaboration with artists from um, South Africa, America. I've uh, worked with um, and a couple of other invited artists as well. But the following one is called. Um, sorry, it's with an artist from Soweto, where um, you know a lot of history happened with uh, there. Um, with if you have read Man, uh, Nelson Mandela's uh, book as well, and Soweto was that um, uh, focal point uh, during the apartheid years. But um, the poem is called "I'm Zulu." My name is Zola, and it's from a painting from a stunning artist, pen, a big pen artist from Soweto called Katlo Makwabane. And equally, the cultural background, uh, I was assisted with, with a very um, well-known historical uh, freedom fighter who, uh, who is linked to Steve Biko, the famous Steve Biko, who Yes. Got um, arrested by the apartheid police back then. If you know the story and seen films or read, read books, and uh, mm-hmm. Eugene Skiff, based in London at the moment, is in London um, at uh, a cultural centre, the well-known centre in in the in London city, and he helped me to actually um, give some background on the culture, the Zulu culture. Um, and also the Tosa culture in, in South Africa. So this is the, the result. So it's called right. I am I'm Zulu. My name is Zola. Mirror of the heavens. My soul remembers my people's proud architectural heritage of eons ago, guided by the celestial stars, casting their heavenly essence in ancestral eager minds guiding, steering, advising, curious, willing minds to construct and replicate the perfect circular shapes of distant interstellar bodies within which they dwelled in social communion, cocooned within an even greater ring of love wherein generational wisdom was bestowed in proud traditional households, my effervescence reflecting visions of wise elders whispering my existential path illuminated by dead stars of long ago, still reflected in that mirror of the heavens. The ancient dwellings are no more, yet these walls cry my generational woe, flooding my brittle halo, drowning my wailing, nature's bounty. My wisdom of all things natural is not my own. The wonder of the flora and fauna which surrounded my childhood homestead belongs to nature, my surrogate mother. She who shared her bounty with my people, she who educated not just mine, but all generations who walked her footpaths in times gone by, she who guided and still guides our minds to the secrets she holds for our intended longevity. But things have changed. 
humanity has faded. I cry because trees are dying. I weep because the earth is burning. I sigh because the sky is falling. I pray for us, for them. I, Zola, I'm blessed to be a custodian of my people's cultural wisdom. I am chosen and destined to share our traditions and customs to new generations. I am Zulu. I am Cosmos. I am the weather. I am rain. I am dew. I am mediator. My name is Zola. Pray song for Zola by Eugene Skiff. Keeper of the sacred umbilical forests of our emergence onto the plains, along the banks of timeless rivers, you carry the jewel of our story in your flowing tears, the spiritual immersion in the headwaters of our song. Sia Fukotamaela, we bow down to you. Egameni Lokoko, in the name of our ancestors, Ezinyembezini Zako, in your tears. Sibona Otingo, Luenko Sazana, we see the rainbow, the bejeweled crown of our princess, on Cindy Rienburg, the uvial crown of our princess. Selelaki, I look at you so you can look, so you can see me. I speak to you so you can hear us. I reach out to you so you can know them. I see you staring at me, but what do you see? I am wind, I am air, I am here, I am Zulu, my name is Zola. That's it. <laughs> wow, that was exquisite, oh. an exquisite piece of poetry. Exquisite Thank writing. you very much. And, um, well, let me ask, yes, please, continue, continue. No, I wanted I wanted to um, honor um, Eugene Skiff for the, the that last section where he actually co-wrote, um, I invited him to co-wrote uh, a section with me, which he did, and I am truly honored by that. He's such a great um, uh, example for generations, young and old, in South Africa today. And um, if he's not listening now, I'm sure I'll send the link to him afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> well, as you think about your, your past and as well as your present. Yes. But specifically your past. What was okay. an early experience what was an early experience where you learned that poetic language had power? Mm. Um right, my mind is flashed back now to my dear sister who's not with me anymore. Um, Ruth mm-hmm. Williams. She used to not force me, but she sort of always had um, had a collection of Reader's Digest books um, when I was younger, lying around the house. And I used, as a young a youngster, I used to walk past them and I uh, consequently opened them without asking. And then she sort of, uh, I never knew she watched me always to see when I will actually start opening books lying around the house you know, apart from school, reading, whatever, but what was going on in the house. And those volumes or what, however many volumes she used to get through the post, <laughs> I actually discovered poetry as a, as a youngster through those Reader's Digest volumes. <laughs> and oh, wow. um, 
And that made me see how language was used because English is my second language. I grew up speaking Afrikaans, uh, which is uh, uh, derived from Dutch and Malay, Arabic, um, whatever. It's a melange of, of influences for the Afrikaans language. But um, yeah, I, that is how I, I got to see my first um, use of language in poetic lines and, and all that, my, my start of literature. This is despite learning about it in school, obviously, in, 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 um, in constructed lessons. But I had a fluidity in, 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 in seeing how language when, uh, was used at home. Oh, very nice. Let's take a brief mm-hmm. break and we'll be right back. Sure. And uh, to everyone else, is it um, Don Biekes? The Biekes, taste. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. <laughs> I love your laugh, Michael. <laughs> you make it so easy to do this. <laughs> and, and, and thanks for correcting me. <laughs> oh, no, it's all right. I just want people to. Uh, because people. No, you're not the only one. A lot of people can't, okay. can't say it, so don't take offense. No offense. <laughs> all right, sir. <laughs> right. The next one is called The Taste of Dust. Uh, before I start, um, just if anyone is, is wondering why there's. Um, I want to say that my poetry is quite um, um, sort of a storytelling narrative. So, so most of my sections actually leads in with a a little subheading. And so, if you if anyone was um, wondering about that, that's how I move through my storytelling and my lessons, either political or historical or personal through my poetry. I don't know if you've, if you've noticed, but see if you can yes. in the next one. Right. The Taste of Dust. Toxic Whispers. Dagger smiles hiding snide, bitter, twisted, jealous, secret remarks whispered in secret corners behind cement doors on infected floors hiding the stench of rotten fermenting souls not meant to roam this earth with those who have the capacity to care, support, uplift, and inspire the forgotten, the dismissed, the trodden, the rejects, the shadow walkers, hiding from mean, sickening soul eaters whose intense 
are to destroy, maim, and cripple in an ever-spiraling chaotic world, bowing down to their elected, piercing, destructive, defective swords, shooting repetitive salvos of toxic whispers, hoping to disintegrate, even annihilate until you involuntarily choke on the taste of dust, stinging echoes, just as you thought your formative brittle years of discovery and exploration of the meaning of life itself was coming to fruition, the next stages of your existence saw the introduction of, a new, of new burning voices seeking out sincere, genuine hearts to torment, target, and terrorize until their burning tears submitted to searing, stinging echoes of hidden vulnerabilities yearning to exist amongst the living, to be accepted for their peculiar hidden weirdness, masked wickedness, to compensate for their obvious elected non-existence as they yearn for you to share the taste of dust. Piercing embers, your protective emotive necessary shield cocooning you from continuing piercing embers from lost earthly demons can only last for so long before disintegrating into a porous, penetrative, welcome-depleted membrane to allow lava-burning, mocking verbal fallout to enter your very being freely with all barriers down, letting in unwelcome entities poking through your disintegrating core as it delivers piercing embers, leaving only the taste of burning dust as you frantically seek an escape from this lingering, spiraling nightmare, falling into the dark cavity of nowhere, Demon Alley. Nightly dream sequences catapult you into an unfamiliar Demon Alley chaotic madness, recognizing your daily tormentors, revealing their true identities, poking you incessantly as you drag yourself along their chosen playground in the darkest corners of Demon Avenue, where they snigger and sneer to penetrate your vanishing veneer whilst licking off dust from rotten moss, earth crawl, clawing your way through sour earth just in a last attempt to escape sure annihilation from hellish domination leaves a welcome taste of dust, ensuring at last an existential emergence. Whew. <laughs> That you was the taste. <laughs> you were, that was the taste dust. <laughs> you recited that piece with a lot of power. A lot of there's a lot of passion in your voice, especially when you said the word dust. Yes. What is the relation? What is the relationship between your speaking voice mm. and your written voice? Is there a relationship? Oh, I've never had that question before. Um, yeah, I, I did actually think about this question before you even asked it. <laughs> um, so when I visit South Africa, I biologically, you know, go into my first language, Afrikaans, but also into the lingua, into the local dialect. But I've been um, overseas for about 20 years away from Cape Town and South Africa, you, you know, visiting through the years. But anyway, it's very strange that I've, uh, I've had as a teacher who taught um, for 20 years in uh, the UK and South Africa, I have this weird um, acquired sort of neutral accent. 
Mm. Um, so what you what you might have heard or and the the listeners as well is my preferred uh, reading voice when I read my poetry. Um, it's it's only recently that I've now started to actually become very interested in actually writing in the the local di- um, Cape Town dialect for so-called coloured people that I or my family was referred to in in the apartheid um, era. Uh, a lot of my um, friends and family and whichever culture I belong to, they there's a conversation about you know. Who are we really as a mix, a so-called mixed race or coloured, as we are known in South Africa, coloured uh, nation? Because our parents were mixed race or coloured, our grand, so three, four generations is where the mix happened. You see, so I think what you what you hear is um, a preferred voice that I use for my poetry readings. But the written one, my written voice, I think is, I don't know how to describe it. <laughs> it's my lexical knowledge, I think, uh, having studied uh, languages and linguistics at university. And I'm learning to speak uh, Spanish at the moment. And uh, I can speak a bit of French, but I'm, I'm not fluent in, in it, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> so I also like to... To do, to do sounds like when I use the S and the dust of the taste of dust as you ask, I like to emphasize them uh, or language in, in certain uh, sounds for effect. Interesting. <laughs> you know, <laughs> very interesting. Extremely interesting. I mean, you're a fascinating guest. Thank you so much for spending time with us today. It's an honor, and thank you. (laughs) All great writers have great Mm -hmm. writing influences. Who are some of yours, and what makes them great in your eyes? Oh, uh, a question that any interviewer always asks, obviously. Um, I, I, because I, I... uh, studied English, obviously, I had to, I was forced to read Shakespearean um, uh, volumes at university. Um, and so that gave me that sort of classical background. Um, so that's, I think that's where it started for me. Um, I also love uh, Sylvia, Sylvia Platt's poetry. Uh, Rupert Brooke. I don't know if you've come across them. Um, no. Actually, in Cambridge, there's um, in Cambridge uh, City, in uh, the University City in in England, there's a beautiful spot where um, a tea garden, which is very famous. Uh, if you ever look it up, uh, of Hopefully, after traveling, opens up again one day for <laughs> you know yeah. as a literary literary visit. Um, there's there's a garden where where those writers, the circle that Sylvia Plath and Rupert Brooke used to belong to, uh, those tea gardens are still there, and it's the most beautiful place to actually 
just realize how uh, how nature inspired the, the poets that I have come across in my life, you know, starting from school through to university and all that. But um, I also love all the um, contemporary poets of today. I try to connect to as many as possible um, n- names for such contemporaries at the moment uh, that I need to throw up is um, Scott. Thomas uh, Outler, Heath uh, Brocker, Alan Britt, um, All-American. There's uh, my writer friends from Port Elizabeth on the south coast of um, South Africa, um, uh, Salvin Alvaro, Bevan Bochenpaul, and there's a whole... Um, eclectic mix of uh, little pockets of groups around the country I'm getting to know now and it's fascinating you know to to do the classic to still love the classics but then discovering this this collection of, of great poets out there who, um, who's now writing to the beat of, of the world we live in today mm. writing to the beat of what the world is that we're living in today. Yeah. <laughs> I like that phrase. I like that phrase. Please please share another piece of your work. Sure. Please share another it's, piece. Sure, thank you. Uh, the next one is called um, Hum of Humanity. Universal wailing, rainforests burning, choking up the atmosphere, rivers clogging, newsreels spinning, daily global grinding, gnashing of hungry children, gulping polluted air, just hoping to stay alive, whilst mothers desperately kneel in dark corners, begging for open borders, so their innocent children can be saved from starvation, sickness, and zero nutrition, hoping frantically for charity angels to soothe their daily lament, maybe even miraculously create healing smiles to brighten young eyes and sing, jump, shout with glee in an imagined childhood expected reverie. But that was not meant to be, as power-hungry rulers insist on continued global clashes, stifling words, halting progress, destroying humanitarian bridges, causing existential seizures, a cry, a prayer, a melodic lament, Hands raised to the heavens, a plea for invading forces to end their tyranny, hopefully embracing humanity. But what about the children? They beg, they crawl, they cry, they die, they plead, they bleed. Come, join in this global chorus. Add your notes to the hum of humanity. All poets... (laughs) Very nice. All poets have several words that come up over and over and over again. Mm. Words or sentences that they just can't help but use in their work. What are three of your absolute favorite words to use? Uh, (laughs) uh, I would say humanity, unity, and love. Wow. Why those three? Why those three, Doc? I don't know. <laughs> I it just came, as I told you before. It, it you challenged me to to use three, and I just had a moment of go, uh, trawling in my mind through all the poetry I've ever written, and those three popped up. To be honest. <laughs> oh, wow. 
Wow, very nice yeah. though. Those are beautiful words. Beautiful Thank words. Thank you. <laughs> beautiful words. Please share another Thank piece you. of your work. Sure. Please share another. Right. Um, before I forget, this is also um, a poem written by a Dutch artist, uh, Marcel Herms. Um, and it's called, it's based on a painting of his. And it's called Someone Knows My Name. And I've got an Afrikaans uh, subtitle, Imant Ken Mainam. Chrome dreams. Each liquid drowning night, I continue to descend into startling revelatory chrome dreams, where even each step becomes heavier as I continue to search for existential, necessary answers to my elected existence, which I have had no control of, yet find myself waking up to begin another new day every day where my steps become new imprints in this earthly confluence of mankind and nature existing side by side, both in steady decline despite renewed efforts to sustain, preserve, protect, renew or regenerate. So I walk the same as the rest, hoping someone will know my name or even offer a warm smile to know I exist. The taste of dust. Despite my expected joyful exterior, I blame myself for my chosen moments of uncontrollable melancholy, born from social, even religious guilt, grown from accusatory, sour sermons spoken by appointment, mouthpieces who will themselves transfer their own fears onto willing ears, not realizing how their fiery words maim, deplete and delete our self-worth, despite the forgiveness of our earthly sins. So instead of peaceful dreams, I sometimes experience the taste of dust during my nightly dream sequence canvas, when my preferred color palette drips into nothingness. And once again, I pray that someone will know my name, empty faces. I know I'm still here, but things have changed. People have changed. This world is changing. And I wonder if I will ever see again the wonder of mankind even through some, even though some are not that kind, daily lives depend on verbal daggers piercing our brittle existence in this age of progress, where emotions are frowned upon and only trophies of wealth will do. But who do we trust if acts of goodwill are dismissed or when we find ourselves in desperate situations and no one stretches out a helping hand? Empty faces show no graces, revealing no stifled confessions. But I hold my head high and soldier on through the sea of despair, hoping someone will remember my name. <clears throat> Thanks for listening. <laughs> yes, yes. Again, extremely powerful. Thank you. Doc, so much is happening in the world. Yes. So much is happening in the world. One is the pandemic, and then there's so many other sure. concerns and issues. Sure. What do you see? What do you see as being the role of a poet in modern day society? I feel that uh, us as writers, you know, um, trying to to not imitate, but to create our own voices um, when when the call 
comes either through divine intervention or, I don't know, some stimulus that starts you off. I think it's important that we as modern poets or writers today can firstly must use our own personal experiences because each human being is so diverse, so interesting, so special that if you can write, you know, if you can um, ignite, if you can fight the literary fight, Fight the literary fight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> words, 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 are, words is powerful, eh? Words are powerful. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you just said, <powerful>. listen, <laughs> hopefully this will, this um, online digital platform will still be there um, eons from now and You've just heard a very um, a very uh, fluid uh, short poem, poet, three lines of poetry there for my legacy. <laughs> well, when you when you think about writing poetry and you're prolific, yes, does writing energize or exhaust you? Sorry, did you say energize? Energize, yes. Oh, both. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me more. Right, so. Let's do the positive first. It, it energizes me to know that I that my words have um, effect on a global audience. And um, as I evolve as a writer, I can actually sense and, and I am forced to, to admit that my words do actually carry a lot of power. And I only know this from, from feedback either through reviews not just my books, but my my personal blog, and uh, just I'm just you know I, I don't expect reactions, but when they do come in, I I just I I put it into my mental um, bookcase, you know, like uh, I, I file I file all of that to to spur me on to spur others on to help new writers. Um, uh, shape and and reshape all the time their writing just to find their 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 swing really their their beat <laughs> and i think the negative is um i am a very emotional person i feel for others i feel for humanity as you've le- um, listened to my to, through my poetry i actually cry sometimes when i look up I I am overwhelmed sometimes of what I myself write because sometimes I just go into some sort of euphoria. I start writing and I only stop when I feel I need, uh, this is now time to stop. And then when I read it back, I sometimes can't believe what I've written. And then I I myself then get uh, quite emotional and I'm thinking, where is this coming from? How, How did this come from my thinking onto paper, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I, I I always start with a, a handwritten um, record of, of my thoughts. Uh, but a lot of planning goes, you know, uh, for some of my more factual uh, references, uh, of course. But if it's a fluid poem, if, it's, if, if it happens like that, I myself, as a human being, uh, I, I'm astounded sometimes to see what, what writers can be capable of. 
Let's take a brief break and we'll be right back. Thank you. is called um, Have You Seen the Lights? I'm leaving Sanaa, Yemen. I remember my mother whispering from far away as the sky started to turn ash grey. Or maybe it was the stinging dust raining into my exhausted eyes, dry from too many a wailing hollow cry, frantically calling out just to make sure my brothers and sisters made it out in time but only I remained as faintly I whispered to her, Have you seen the lights? I wondered why she hesitated, but realized she was not here with me. Others whisper around me, smiling half-heartedly, but all I can hear is the comforting, purring hum of the jet engines propelling us along on this medical bridge, high above the clouds to a new future, and a foreign voice asking me, Have you seen the lights? No stars in Bethlehem. My childhood view was once my uncle's house and olive trees beyond, but I I am now surrounded on three sides by a cold, dull, dividing concrete wall rising ever higher, dimming the stars at night, darkening my liberty vision, my future rapidly darkening. But now and then my mother runs into the house again as I hear a rush of high-pitched ringing symphony in my ears from familiar invading fears as she begs me to hide whilst whispering, have you not seen the lights? The darkness now blinding, lighting up that wretched wall, our land shrinking, our lights dimming, as there are no more stars in Bethlehem. Yeah, that was... (laughs) What do you want your poetry to do, and where do you want it to go? Mm, that's quite a contemplative one. Um, I think, firstly, I would want to reach as many uh, ears or eyes as possible, no matter how it happens or I never know where, you know, which platforms and in this day, modern day and age of digital world we live in. Um, I'm just putting it out there on as many platforms as I can 
um, to the point that uh, any platforms I normally um, use it in a different way where I push uh, literature on a platform instead of using it for what it was intended to. (laughs) So, yeah, that's the first uh, thing I can think about to to answer to that. Sorry, what was your your second um, question there? Where do you where do you want it to go? Um, <laughs> I tell you what, that I had this to answer uh, that. I just need to get rid of uh, uh, one thought quickly. Yes. You know, I I think I think I would want to become a speechwriter one day. <laughs> oh, I can understand. That's. I need to mention it because I. I don't know why, especially tonight, uh, whilst I was um, doing the readings tonight, that was a thought this evening that, that's been in my mind all night. Weird. <laughs> why, do you, why, do you, why do you think that is? Why do you, I mean, have you always wanted to become a speechwriter? No, not at all. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I... I, I <laughs> I only I only make speeches in my poetry, really. That's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but as I listen to your poems, hmm. they could be speeches. You think so? Especially, especially the poems about the dust. Oh, right. When you emphasize the word dust, I mean, yes. it sounded like, as I think back, hmm. the phrasing sounded like it could have been a speech. Oh it wow! Really, Thank you really for that. <laughs> yeah, it really does. Ima- imagine the 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 right le- world leader one day can can deliver it like that. <laughs> yes, yes, it would. I've I've stated the word sh- shared the word powerful so many times so far, but that yeah. would be powerful. <laughs> that really would. Thank you. I, really I do appre- <laughs> I do appreciate the feedback. It's gold, gold to me, gold. <laughs> Share another poem. I, I'm enjoying you. Share another poem. Thank you. Um, the next one is called Ex- sorry, Existential Echoes. It's in uh, three parts. The Blue Forest. I should hear the deafening crush of rotten leaves beneath my swollen feet, but instead I hear the cries of nature begging humanity to ease its chokehold, strangling final contortions caused by mankind's forced engineered macabre metamorphosis in its insatiable thirst for knowledge on the higher plane, searching endlessly for the meaning of life beyond this planet, frantically looking for tangible proof of an unseen parallel universe, only whispered in treasured verse, documented by those who walked this earth before us, their visions floating as ash born from the melting earth below us, Covering our existence with the memories of eons ago, I hear them whispering as I try to find my way back through this blue forest, green skies. I remember wanting to drown in my self-inflicted liquid melancholy and drift away to a deeper mental cavity. But my desired captivity was not meant to be as I found myself floating upwards towards green skies, forcing my tired, lifeless eyes on darkening toxic green skies. I saw golden eagles falling from the sky, 
their feathers scorched by what we released into the air after another nuclear nightmare, the air thick with choking cries of the unknown, the forgotten, the invisible, black earth, the silence deafening, my mind bursting, my memories fading as I walk along a deserted narrow path with only scattered swirling ash surrounding each step I take. Where to? I don't know, but I'm compelled to continue forward as the path behind me is now covered with the ashes of everything and everyone we have destroyed. But why am I still here? I hear it. A siren, a warning, a beckoning, the final reckoning. I long for blue skies. I yearn to see with new eyes. I'm here. That was Existential Echoes. What what makes a poem good? I know it's a very subjective uh, question. Yeah. Um, first thing that comes to mind for me is the visual. Um, I think this descriptive language paints a little screen in the mind, you know. I think poetry needs to make you see in your mind's eye without you knowing what you, how it actually happens for this beautiful creation called humanity, you know. Um, yeah, that's my initial thought. Hmm. Please share another poem. Sure, thank you. Um, it's uh, right. This is written, um, or this was written, especially for a very um, influential and um, uh, oh, I've lost my train of thought. Sorry. Um, it was written for a charity in busy in Cape Town and globally. To uh, called uh, Utando. It, Utando in in Zulu means love. So the uh, that's the name of the charity Utando, which actually means love. So the poem is called Utando Love, and it's dedicated to um, James Fernie and his organization called Utando, who has a lot of international benefactors helping the town black townships and so-called color townships, especially during the COVID um, pandemic in South Africa, doing great, great work. And they've just um, um, got an uh, international award, uh, award, um, you know, highlighting what they do for charity in South Africa. So it's called Utando Love, the color of love. Your color or culture should not matter when loving one another. Only that encompassing feeling should make you want to jump with joy, shout it out loud and proud for all to hear, especially those near and dear. Love is a deep inner glow bursting to radiate, so let it out. Do not ever smother it. Nurture it, protect it, share it. Even in Zulu culture, love is expressed in Zulu love letters in the form of a beaded rectangular flap containing a message attached to a narrow band of beads, white, for positivity, purity, virginity, faithfulness, and true love. Black, for regeneration. Red, for intense, passionate love. Blue, for fidelity. 
green for contentment. Even a mix of colors make the messages of love positive or negative, where red next to black symbolizes an aching heart, global avalanche. Our global village hopefully still bathed in perceived human kindness, world wars seemingly behind us. White, our hopes and dreams, despite isolated creams, screams. We have no choice but to hope we can maintain this multicultural, brittle human race. We are your children. Our journey into this alien world elected by you. We laugh, cry and die the same as you. But blue our tears of the wrongs you can do. Increasing lack of social and religious harmony weakens our global family. Those in charge regretfully have lost their way, their divisive rhetoric maintaining the public farce. Hasty decisions blinded by twisted, selfish, personal missions yellow our sighs as we silently cry. Nature Boulevard, our blue planet choking from ill-conceived urban kingdoms, indigenous groups displaced and erased, their legacy replaced by the financial rat race, we came here to breathe, so heed to our call. Inspect your greedy heart before walking our burning nature boulevard. So we urge you, focus on our damaged biospheres. Change the global mentality into green responsibility. The speech. I stand in front of you here today to urge you and to say, do not waste even one more day. Be grateful for the remaining oxygen surging through our lungs as we breathe to stay alive. Change your corporate focus and place humanity above all your financial targets. Invest in the people who matter most for fighting our existential cause for survival. Reach deep within your biological makeup and frantically attempt to adjust your disintegrating moral compass. We urge you to enact a global rescue. Gather en masse to ultimately break this rotten impasse, cradle of mankind. South Africa, and indeed Africa, and our global brothers and sisters, where stones and bones echo our global heritage, our desperate moans of extinction of human succession found in paleoanthropological revelatory missions, introducing us to Mrs. Pless, our 2.3 million old ancestor amongst 40% of the world's ancestral fossils. She who reminds us to cleanse ourselves from searing hate and bitter jealousy, as well as hungering for earthly thrones. Let universal love permeate through you, igniting our peaceful inner halo and whisper forevermore, Utando, love. Writers and poets write for a myriad of reasons. Yeah. Some write primarily to speak a message to their audience. Mm-hmm. Others write because to stay silent is not an option. Why do you write? I write because I need to to share what goes on in in my in my spiritual space. I think as a first answer, I write to uh, because. I don't know, an unknown um, force, I think, and as I believe in in God and the Holy Trinity, Mm -hmm. I don't know how, but like I told you, sometimes um, pictures, words, emotions, experiences 
forces me to put pen to paper. Yeah. <laughs> Share another poem, please, Don. Sure. This is called um, a Latin title Natus ex la terra graves, born astride the grave. For some of us, the subject of life and death is taboo, maybe even too complex to occupy our limited human intelligence. Others would argue it might have something to do with our own spiritual negligence, vehemently refusing, even denying, that as a human race we were created by a godly being or seeing. We always demand to see a face, a vision, a stirring, a revelation to dull our fiery questioning, our inner feelings of hope or confirmation, but really it all comes to pass when a loved one has passed from this earth, erase, erasing their earthbound past, making us to pause, think, wonder, question, imagine, what if, could it be, why me? Yes, what surely can be agreed is that death darkens our belief, perception, even our very souls, but from the day we were born, we all march towards our graves, leaving loved ones in limbo on arrival, whilst believers cling to the image of that heavenly morning gathering, the journey. Our arrival into this natural world marked by welcome cream screams announcing our presence in an alien world ravaged by maroon wars, invasion, captivity, insanity, crime, and the wonder of nature as our lives commence with the guidance of parents to prepare us in how to become part of this human race phase by phase. Our path is shared, even though our differences leave some impaired, imprisoned, persecuted, starved, and scared. Red, our emotions dealing with lives lost. Black, our rage for unanswered questions. Green, our jealousy for the success and riches of others. White, our spirituality, even though we cannot see. Blue, our inner calm from positive influences and the realization of our promised immortality, the dream. Do not mourn my sudden exit from this fleeting earth. Do not blame these horsemen of the end of days transporting me to my eternal existence. Live righteously, forgive unconditionally, even though you hate yourself for it. I'm needed elsewhere. See you there. (laughs) See you there. See you there. You've been published, and you've written a new book that you shared that will be published around Christmas time. Tell me about Hopefully, yes. Well, um, it's called uh, Sic Transit Gloria Mundi, Thus Passes the Glory of This World. And it's basically um, more of my crestic collaborations with artists, uh, um, that has become a book in itself. My second book, um, Icarus Rising, Volume 1, which is on Amazon, um, right. was, the f- was the first of such a collection where um, actually a, f- a few black and white um, prints in that book, Icarus Rising, Volume 1, um, I was ha- uh, glad to have at least a few, even though it's in black and white, a few of, of artworks um, um, published in there, but the the new one uh, will only be in text, but it, it's more of such collaborations where I interpreted art 
um, and then I normally, um, you know, make it known afterwards on my blog um, to to celebrate the artists I've worked with as well. Mm. If yeah. you had to convince, if you had to convince a colleague or a friend mm. to read your book, what would you tell them? I tell them that if you want a different perspective on you know on uh, this global society we are part of and I mean no, no one can deny that you know there are so many souls in this world that are might go through the same things or not even knowing that things the things to come in their lives and I think my poetry um, forecasts world events or spiritual uh, lessons that only are born from my poetry and and um, taught from human history and, and our existence, really. I think I give a, a quite a different um, flavor to, lit- to liter- literacy. <laughs> All right. Very nice. <laughs> you know, we're coming to the end of the program. Sure. Hard wow. Believe, we are. Already, yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> well, I've got two more questions. <laughs> sure. And I'd like you to end with a poem, if that's okay. Um, I have one ready. Yes, I have one ready. <laughs> you, you'll, know when you, when you, you'll know when you hear the title. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Let me ask this question. <laughs> As you think about all of your literary experiences, yes, being a poet, being a man, being a mm. human, mm. a being in general, yes, who are you? Who are you as a result of being a poet, of your experiences? Oh, gosh. Who am I? Who am I? <laughs> I think... I think I'm somehow connected to something higher than myself that I have no knowledge of, but I can feel I'm part of something higher, be it spiritually or another conscience of the part of the brain that human beings can't even begin to tap in. And we know from history, the scientists and the and the inventors um, of the human race who has stepped into what they then recognize as what they can and did do to help humanity as well. Hmm. (laughs) Wow, I want to let that settle in. Yeah. Don't ask me how I am able to answer, but it just comes to me. I'm sure that when people hear your work, mm. they want more. I know that I do. What's next Thank for you, you as a poet? What's next for you as a poet? I don't know when or how, but um, I would love to to do some more live readings. Uh, I think um, I'm not used to it, but I've, I've never actually had um, an audience bef- uh, before me. Only what. Only many, many years ago, uh, um, when I visited Cape Town, I had, was my only live reading ever. I've never done anything like that since. 
So um, oh, wow, I, I'm surprised. Yeah, I mean, you have the perfect voice for it. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Well, All right, so, what I'd like you to do, yes, is to share one more poem. Yeah. Before we close out. That's fine. To end on a high uh, note. Yes. And before I don't say it again, thank you so much. I'm, I'm really, really grateful and and and. Um, touched for the invite so the last poem is called Exodus (laughs) translucent clouds singing false notes ringing ears popping eyes burning insights churning vision blurring sudden realization fight or flight dead of night hesitation heightened frustration the end of a proud nation all around Unmistakable fermentation of ideas, potential fears, shattered prayers, broken dreams, religious screams, drowning, bleeding hearts, choosing safe paths, leaving hurried existential footprints. But even those are wiped from history, no evidence. Human settlements in cultural harmony, religious acceptance in turmoil, the urge to question it all, raging in moral dark corners. If only these tyrannical power-hungry wars would spare young souls to treasure their heritage, sadly not to be, as rivers of souls leak into oceans of discontent, swirling with dark divisive entities, cleverly drip-dropping toxic charcoal whispers, eagerly chewed by weakened influence, chaos disciples, unable to speak their own minds, so they bite into sweet chaos, hoping to get a seat at the victory feast. Unfortunately, their devotion rewarded by the extinction of their minds, molasses, senses, leading to our forced, fatal, cursed, detrimental, consequential exodus. That ends this beautiful session. Thank you so much to all the listeners and to you as a brilliant host. And I hope we'll do it again. I mean, hey, <laughs> I hope so, too. I hope so, too. Let's make a promise that we will sometime in 2021 that, you, that you'll come Definitely. back and share some more of your wonderful work. Definitely, and I'll, well, read from my new, I'll read from my new book. That would be fantastic. I'd love that. I'd love that. Yes. <laughs> I'd love that. We can, we can make it happen. We can make it happen. Sure, well, you made it happen. You made it happen. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to thank Don again for being with us. I'd also like to thank our listening audience. Until next time, please take care of yourself. Thank you very much, everyone. You Bye. have just listened to the Quintessential Listening Poetry Online Radio Podcast with your host, Dr. Michael Anthony Ingram. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or Stitcher. And Make sure to catch our next episode.